Well, good morning, everyone. Some of you didn't even notice my attire because the kids were too cute. All right. Note to self, get less cute kids to do the reading next time. Well, graduation is on my mind for a lot of reasons. Number one, here at Advent in the past 10 days, we've had eight graduations. We had four pre-K graduations, and so our, in, in fact, I think one of them was there, one of our pre-K graduates, but our pre-K graduates now, they had their commencement. And the thing about commencement is when we think about commencement, we often think about the end, right? We think about something that's over. But the reality is the word actually means the opposite of that. Commencement means to start or to begin. And so our pre-K graduates, our four classes of pre- or it was actually, I think, eight classes, but four pre-K graduations that we had, they're now starting something new. They're starting kindergarten. We had three kindergarten moving on up ceremonies. And at those ceremonies, they actually sing um, a song called First Grade. They talk about how they're ready for first grade. They're starting or beginning something new. And then on Thursday night, we had our eighth grade graduation, the commencement. And they're finished here at Advent, but they're starting, beginning something new. They're moving on to high school. I think all of them are, at least. Right? And then we have high school graduates and college graduates. And they're all starting a new phase of life, starting something new. Well, today is a graduation of sorts for us as well. Since January, we've been looking at 60 years of God's faithfulness here at Advent, and we've been talking about the things as a church that we're called to do. And so we looked at five different areas that God calls us to, but I want us to think of this as a commencement. Not that this series is over, but that God is calling us to something new, to a new beginning. When you leave here today, you're going to each get a diploma. Now you can do whatever you want with that diploma. You can use that as a, as a memory, a reminder of this series. But my hope and prayer is that God will put on each and every one of your heart at least one thing new that he's calling you to start or to begin. And so this morning I want to take some, the opportunity to kind of recap our entire series and talk about the things that God is calling us to. So, in January, we spent time talking about worship. And we said that God calls us to be a people who worship. We looked at how we worship, number one, first and foremost, we worship because of who Jesus is. Because of the greatness, the awesomeness of Jesus, because of what he's done for us, we worship him. And he deserves our worship. We also talked about worshiping Him, God, with our lives. We looked at Romans 12 and we said, In view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is your spiritual act of worship. That literally we we give our lives because of what Jesus did for us. We say, here's my life, back to you. All I am, all I have, I give to you, Jesus, because of what you did for me. And we talked about how we worship together as a community. We looked at how we worship is not, not simply a, an emotional thing or not simply a mental thing. It's, it's a spiritual, emotional, 
mental, we all of us engages when we worship well. And so we looked at all those things, and, and so I want us to think about our worship commencement. Not as an ending, not, but what is God calling us to? What is the thing that, that is sticking on your mind and heart? What is it that Jesus is calling you to do when it comes to worship? Johnny Erickson Tata uh, tells a story. And how many of you remember Johnny Erickson Tata? She's kind of a, an author. She actually was a painter. She, when she was young, she dove into a pool and was paralyzed. And she actually learned to paint with her mouth. Became a, a great speaker. And uh, incredible impact for Jesus. But she tells a story of her wedding day. And at her wedding day, she was all set to, to go down the aisle in her, in her wheelchair. And she had a motorized wheelchair. And, and the, the music was starting. And she looked down and she realized that her wheelchair had run over her dress. And her dress was now torn and covered in grease from the wheels. And she was like, oh, oh no, what do I, what do, I do? And then to top that off, she realized she had dropped her bouquet and it had fallen and it, and it was kind of somewhere lodged between her, her wheelchair seat and her leg and she had no way to pick it up and she didn't know what to do. And then the doors of the church opened and it was her time to go. But she wasn't ready and she, she didn't, you know, didn't want to. And then all of a sudden, she met the gaze of her husband, or almost husband, the groom standing there waiting for her. And as soon as she saw him, she said, nothing else mattered. That's why she was there. And as she, she tells this story, she said, that's what worship is. That, that, that's what worship is like. True worship is that we see Jesus. We actually see him. Not physically, but we, we see him for all his, his goodness and all everything he's done for us. We see him and we cannot help but to pour out his praises through song, through our lives, through the way we act. That's true worship. We see Jesus and nothing else matters. And so what is it that God is calling you? What is Jesus calling you to today to start or begin in connection with worship? In February, we spent time talking about the Word. We talked about the Word and we, we, we said that first we talked and led with Jesus is the Word became flesh. Not only that, but He's the fulfillment of the Word. Hundreds of prophecies on the coming Messiah Jesus fulfills. Not only that, but the very Gospels we have are the story of his life. We don't have this book without Jesus. We read this book, we study this book to get to know him better. When we looked at the Word, we, we talked about not only is Jesus word, uh, the Word, but we talked about the power of the Word. We talked about how there, there's something about this book that when we read it and study it, it does a work in us. The Word of God is living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword, penetrating even between joints and marrow. We talked about how this is a light unto our feet and a, light, a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. It guides us. It directs us. 
Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not in your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. He will make your path straight. There's something special about this book. And it's Jesus. It's the story of God. He started out with the law, right? He said, here's the law. First there was, you know, ten the Ten Commandments, and, and ultimately there was over 631 Jewish laws, and your command is to follow this, and obedience to this law will make you right with God. But there was a problem, wasn't there? None of us measured up. Matthew 5, 48 says, Be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. I don't know about you, but mm, didn't, quite, didn't quite make that. I was really close. Actually, I wasn't close at all. But no one is. The Bible tells us over and over again, all of us have sinned. We fall short of God's standard. And that's, that's why the law exists, to point us to our need for God. Ultimately, it exists to point us to our need for Jesus. And that's what he did. He came. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we beheld his glory. And then he died on a cross took on my sins, took on your sins, paid the penalty that we deserve to pay, then conquered death three days later and reconciled us to God. We celebrate that in communion every week. That's the beautiful story of this book. And we read this book to get to know that story better, to get to know Jesus, the Word, better. After February, we dove into March and we talked about evangelism, right? And that's, that's kind of, we talked about how we're called as a people to share the love of Christ with the world that needs it. And so we dug into that, to share his love with the world. And, and we looked at that and we talked about that that's the job that Jesus left us with, right? After he rises from the dead, he resurrects. He spends a little time with the disciples and some people, and then he goes, ascends up into heaven, and right before he does that, he leaves us with a job. He says, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach everything that I commanded you. He leaves us with that task, that job. It's not not an option. It's not like, hey, if you feel like it, tell some people about me. He says, no, we share because as Jesus told us to. Not only that, but we looked at how Jesus sent out the 72, and we, we heard that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few, and so we should pray that the work would send more workers out into the harvest, and we can be those workers. It's our honor and privilege. God's simply saying, I'll do the work. All I want you to do is be faithful to share my love. We talked about how Jesus' model was he met people's needs, he healed the sick, he fed the hungry, he took in the, the outcasts. And when he met those needs, then people were open to his message. And we're called to do the same. To share his love. There's a story that I love, and it's a story of a little girl named Frankie. And, uh, Frankie was 
a great evangelist. Everywhere Frankie went, she wanted to tell people about Jesus. She joined a soccer team, and, and one day the coach was having practice, and no one was paying attention. They were off in the corner, and they were like, what are you, what are you doing over here? We're, we're, we're playing soccer. Frankie's telling us about somebody named Jesus. There was a, a birthday party one time, and there was a clown, and, and no one's paying attention to the clown. They're all sitting in a circle listening to Frankie, and she's having a Sunday school class talking about Jesus. Everywhere she went, she was talking about Jesus. And, and so one day her dad, you know, her, her, her parents were very proud, and her dad was like, you know, I, I want to kind of, I want to kind of, you know, I hope that we helped teach her this a little bit, but, you know, what is it that really motivates you? And she said, well, Dad, you know how you talk about baseball all the time because you love it so much? Well, I love Jesus like you love baseball. And so I want to talk about Jesus all the time. And her dad was simultaneously incredibly proud and humbled. That he's learning this powerful lesson from his little daughter. And of course, when we're motivated by a, a great and powerful love for Jesus, we're going to talk about him. You know, Vahan loves soccer. I, he still plays soccer, even though it's probably not good for his knees anymore. It's definitely not. But one of the reasons that Vahan does it is because I know he loves those men and he, he wants to point them to Jesus. That's right, isn't it, Vahan? And each and every week he prays with them. And he looks for opportunities. Because he loves Jesus. And that's what we're called to do. We're called to share this love. God loves us desperately. Beyond our comprehension. And we're called to take that love and share it with a world that needs it. And so our evangelism commencement is what do we need to start? What do we need to begin? Who do we need to tell? We spent the next month and we talked about community and fellowship. And we talked about all the ways that we're called to do life together. We looked at the early church in Acts 2 and how they gathered together every day. They shared things. They had life in common. And they, they worked together. They worshipped together. They ate meals together. And it says God added to their number daily. You see, there's something exciting and motivating about when you see a community, when you see people that love each other well. We talked about community and we looked at the early church. We, we talked about how we're called to spur one another on. I wore a costume that day too. I wore spurs, if you remember. And what spurs do to a horse is they get a horse to go where it would not go on its own. Faster. Maybe up or down a hill. And that's what we're called to do as a community. As Christians, we spur one another on. We, we can accomplish more together than we ever would on our own. And we pour into each other's lives. And that's, that's what small groups and reunion groups, and that's what community is all about. It's life on life. We make each other better. And then we also looked at how we're called to love each other more and more and more. We, we talked a little bit about John 17. 
the high priestly prayer. It's, it's the prayer that Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. As he's sweating blood, it's, it's the longest recorded prayer we have. And over and over and over again, what does Jesus ask God for? He says, God, make my people one. Help them to be unified. Help them to be a community, just like we are. And then the world will want to be a part. And so we're called to be a people that experience community. And, and what is it God is calling you to do in, in terms of community? Maybe that means he's calling you to start a small group. Maybe that means he's calling you to be a part of one. Maybe that means you're supposed to reach out to someone and, and connect with them regularly and check in on them. There was a pastor by the name of John Perkins. And John Perkins had a, a vision, an idea. And he wanted to build a, a church that was multiracial, multi-ethnic in 1970, in Mississippi. Tall task. In fact, when he went to other pastors and friends for support in this, they all kind of laughed at him. That won't work in Mississippi. Maybe if you move up to the big city. But he had it as a dream, and he felt that like God had put that on his heart, and so he continued to work at it, and he continued to to pray, and he continued to, to try to reach out to people. And it took about 15 years for his dream to come to fruition. But by the mid-1980s, they had a congregation of almost 900 people from 15 different nations. One of the most ethnically and racially diverse congregations in the United States of America. And a model for other churches who sought to do the same. Because he believed in community. He believed in the idea that, that fellowship is not just gathering together to have fun. It stems from a commonality. And he believed firmly with all his heart that the thing that they had in common was the greatest thing in the world. is Jesus. And when you have Jesus in common, all the other differences go by the wayside. Because everything else is less important than Jesus. And sure enough, God honored that and built something beautiful. Something that John Perkins believed was what heaven would be like. And he wanted a little slice of it here on earth. Finally, this past month, we talked about service. And we said that God calls us to be a people that serve others. And we started off in Philippians 2 and we looked at the example of Jesus that we're encouraged to, that we're supposed to look not to our own interests but to the interests of others and, and look for opportunities to serve others. Having the same attitude as Jesus who ultimately served by giving his life as a sacrifice for us. Not only that, but Jesus in one of the final times he had with the disciples, right, as he shared this meal, as he instituted it. As they were walking in off the street, Jesus took off his robe. And what did he do? He, he got down on his knees and he washed the disciples' dirty, disgusting feet. 
Probably a little bit because they needed to be washed, but probably more than that to set the example of serving. To teach the people that were going to be the founders of his church how very important that was. And then we as a church, a, a couple weeks ago, we put our money where our mouth was, right? We, we decided no church today. We're going to be a church without walls. We've done it before. And we went out in the community nine different places and served. It was a beautiful thing. And we helped some people, but I bet we helped ourselves more. They're reminding, reminding us physically, tangibly, how important service is. We do it because of Jesus. We talked about how important it is to use our gifts. We talked about ministering to the least of these. And we looked at all of those aspects of service. Neil Moody um, famously had a favorite verse in the Bible. And he, he, he said that it was his favorite verse outside of the Gospels. He said, my favorite verse is all of the Gospels. But outside of that, my favorite verse is Isaiah 6, 8. And that's the, the passage where Isaiah has this vision, right, in the temple. And he has the vision of the angels. And they're, they're saying, holy, holy, holy. And Isaiah's response to seeing God is, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. I live amongst the people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the king. And so one of the angels takes a coal from the altar and touches Isaiah's lips and says, your sin is atoned for. And then God says to Isaiah, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah says, here am I, send me. So D.L. Moody says that's his favorite verse. And he says, listen, I'm just one person. I can't do it all. But I can do one thing. And I will do one thing by the grace of God. And I'll keep doing one thing. And God will use that to make a difference. And that's, that's what we're called to do. That's, that's our serving commencement. It's what's the one thing that God calls you to do today? What's the one thing that God calls you to do tomorrow, every day? And being faithful to that task, big or small. And God will use that to do amazing things. I told you earlier that you're going to receive a diploma when you leave today. And you can do whatever you like with that diploma. You can, someone said they were framing it and putting it on their wall because it's the first diploma they ever got in the first service. So that's awesome. <laughs> but you know what? That's not really what matters. That's just hopefully a, a tool to remember this. What really matters is your commencement. What is it that God is calling you to begin, to start, to do in your life? I hope that whether you were here for every Sunday of this series or you just caught a few or, or maybe today's your first time and you just got the recap. I hope that you picked up on the one thing that all these things have in common. And it's all about Jesus. We worship 
Just like Johnny Erickson Tata reminded us in that story, we worship because we see Jesus and we can't help it. We can't help it. We read this book. We study this because it's about Jesus. And the more we learn, the more close to Jesus we get. We share our faith like little Frankie because we love Jesus so much. We want to tell other people about him. And because he tells us to. We're a community because the one thing we all have in common is Jesus. That's what unites us. That's what brings us together. That's why we're here. And we serve because of the example of Jesus. Because he laid down his life. And there's nothing greater we can do than do the same for one another. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, today we graduate. We graduate from this this series, this season, when we've been talking about the things you call us to. But Father God, my prayer is that for myself, for all of us, this wouldn't be an end. But this would be a beginning. When we said, God, you've called me to do this. You've called me in this area of worship to, to grow. You've called me in this area of the word. You've called me in community, in evangelism, in service. I want to honor you by doing, by following through, by starting anew. God, by your grace, through your strength, may that be the case for each and every one of us. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen.